Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is happening? Nick Pollock here. So I wanted to introduce this episode a little bit. Alex Fast and I got to sit down with Aaron Savali to continue on with our Talking Pitching podcast series. Really cool. We're doing it once a week with a different pitcher from around the majors and maybe some that actually haven't pitched in the majors for a long time. It's really exciting. We love that we are given these opportunities. It's incredible. It blows our mind. And we really do appreciate that Aaron Savali took the time to to sit down with us uh, tonight. Uh, before I get into that, just a couple things really quickly. Uh, one, I... Uh, I'm going to be putting out a post next week talking about all the things that we're doing here at Pitcherless during this crazy, crazy delay that is, of course, uh, COVID-19. Obviously, we can't do the same things that we used to do given you know lower traffic and everything like that. And everyone that can help us out uh, by signing up to Pitcherless Plus, that is, you get the ad-free website, you get all the incredible things we're doing at Discord, uh, including our classic game of the day. We're doing Family Feud, which is amazing. We have the whole co-managers drafts as well, and we have a lot more drafts that we're doing, and other things that I completely forgot about, like in the ebook or uh, other things. So definitely help us out where you can. Um, we had a lot of things we wanted to do for the season that we now have to put on the back burner, and it's going to take a longer period of time to get out, but hopefully with your help, we can actually accelerate that stuff and get through this properly so that we are not only standing, but we're actually standing on a stronger foundation when it ends. Uh, there's also this podcast tournament at Baseball Pods that is going to be voting with us tomorrow. That is, we are, are the second round is tomorrow, so please be on the lookout for that on Twitter. Give us the vote. We would love to have your support. Um, but obviously, leave us a rating and review on iTunes as well as we do continue our On the Corner podcast on Thursday. Fast and I are going to be talking about baseball in general. Um, less so of the fantasy spin until we actually get some news about when fantasy baseball is starting again. Then we're, of course, going to go straight into all of that. We're going to have a little bit more fun reflecting on other things. And it's still going to be fantasy baseball tinged, of course. But really just want to have fun talking about the sport because that's really why we're here. And that's what we would like to do. Also, we're joining uh, Vlad Settler on his show on Friday as as well, so definitely be on the lookout for that. We're really excited to be a part of it. So both of us will be there on Friday, so definitely stay tuned for that as well. But and look out for that post next week. But without further ado, enjoy this podcast with Aaron Savali. He's a great guy and really nice for him to sit down with us. So enjoy. What is up, and welcome to what is another very special episode of On the Corner. Today's guest is a, a fantastic pitcher with a heck of a lot of spin on his pitches. We're going to be talking about that absolutely elite curveball, and that's Cleveland Indians starter Aaron Savali. Aaron, how you doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate, appreciate the time. Hope everyone's doing well during these crazy times. Yeah, so... Uh... It's absolutely wild. Of course, we talked to Jerry Blevins last week, uh, who says he's talking. Well, he's actually hanging out with Trevor Cahill to keep up the whole, uh, you know, to keep the arm live. Uh, what are you doing? Where are you right now? Uh, I stayed out in Arizona. There's a few guys that live out here full time with the Indians: uh, Phil Maton and Adam Simber. Uh, Shane Bieber stayed out for a little bit. He's back in California now, but just kind of had that small group of guys. Been finding local parks and doing what we can during this time um pretty much just keeping it to the three of us at, right now and then 
getting our catch plan and going back to our separate ways. So is it like a constant update with the coaches? Like, do you report saying, okay, I did my, you know, 120 feet long toss today and that's about it. Is there a full program or is it just kind of keep your arm alive and we'll let you know later? Um, yeah, we were kind of given a pretty generic program for the first two weeks of whatever you want to call it, quarantine. Um, a lot of guys were thrown into nets. A lot of guys were throwing just weighted balls or whatever they had into uh, cinder block walls or whatever they were dealing with, but kind of just were told to continue to work. And this is, even if the season is cut short, which is, it looks, that's how it's going to be. Um, still got to continue to work and build up endurance and pitch count this year to make sure it's not affecting 2021. Right. I mean, it, it's it's a crazy thing, right? Because we're uh, there must be some concern that you might get injured ramping up for a second time. I, I mean, were you feeling like right out of the gate, you know, middle of March, it's and you're ready to go, essentially. Now you have to slow it down. Do you have any concern that whenever you have to ramp it up again, that it's going to be different or whatever you had is going to be lost? Um, I mean, the only difference as of right, I mean, there's a lot of differences, but one of the main differences is just the lack of hands-on work within the training staff and the access to whatever everyone has their state-of-the-art weight rooms um, that we're all kind of just doing what we can to work through. Um, But as far as intensity of throwing, everything's been the same, except for the fact that I haven't been able to get on a mound yet and just kind of no need for the first two weeks to get on a mound just with no kind of end in sight but hopefully there'll be some answers coming up clear soon and try and figure out where to get on a mound that's kind of one of the struggles that some guys have been dealing with um not everyone has the mound in their backyard or we we can't all play backyard baseball like we like we wish we could um Mm. but as far as intensity of throwing goes i think we've been doing a good job with Pretty much everyone, um, we just had a big conference call on Zoom with our whole staff and just some guys are bouncing ideas back and forth, but just making sure that we're ready and whatever time we miss this year is not going to affect 2021. Well, let's let's focus on the, you know, on the time that hopefully we're going to have and look back to, you know, the the fantastic performances that you had last year. I mean, you have this curveball that's not only 95th percentile and curve spin, it's it's top 10 overall, not just top 10 percentile, top 10 in an active spin as well. Now, in the last month of the season, we saw this pretty sharp jump in your curveball usage and a drop in that cutter usage. Can you talk about that change there? Was it was it purposeful? Was it a, a feel thing? Or, and is that something that you were, you know, you're kind of planning to bring into the new season whenever it starts? Um. I don't, you might be referring to my slider droppage usage. Um, I don't think I drop my cutter usage very much. Yeah, Um, I throw throw all three. So it's a little, it's always been a conversation whenever I talk to somebody. Um, It's like, what pitch was that? I'm like, well, I call that a cutter. Um, Hmm. So my cutters, I think my cutter, I throw around 25 to 29% of the time. And I Mm -hmm. mix that with my two seam slash sinker, however you want to call it, um, about the same ratio. So those two pitches are about 60% of my mix. And then there's probably 5% four seams sprinkled in there. Um, that's still a work in progress than that I've been working on for the last few years. Uh, well, I just had a little baby cut on it. So that's something I've tried to straighten out, maybe get a little more ride on that to play with those as well. But I think uh, situationally and just how lineups 
par and the way that I was using my pitches, throwing up in the zone, curveballs may have played a little better. Um, my slider last year was a new grip, and it was kind of maybe one of my better pitches when it was a pitch that I, I felt good throwing, but it wasn't always there. Um, curveball has been something I've thrown since I think my uncle showed me a grip when I was like 11 or 12 years old in Little League. He's like, here, try this knuckle curve. Don't do anything different. Just throw it like this. And since then, I've always just had a good feel for spin. Um, I don't think I, I didn't throw it the same way I do now. I've definitely made a ton of adjustments over the years, but just getting feel for that spin and being able to throw it properly early on in my development as a, a thrower right. uh, allowed me to really get a feel for how to spin the ball and what spinning the ball feels like coming out of the hand. So, uh, so I know you have a lot of um, aunts and uncles. Um, does this make him <laughs> your favorite uncle? <laughs> it's tough to be the favorite uncle. There's a lot of good ones. Um, <laughs> lot no of, one taught you a, a ton lot of ball. I know. Um, yeah, he's, he's, uh, my, most of my mom's siblings still live in Connecticut. Um, but her sister lives out in Oklahoma and that's her husband. Um, they were just visiting. Uh, they were in Oklahoma at the time, but they were just visiting. I think their old, their son was playing a baseball tournament and just happened to be out where we were. Um, I remember it was on like my, the middle school I went to, where I think my brother was playing a game and we were just messing around on the playground or something. He's like, here, try this grip. It's like, oh, all right, cool. I'll try that. Um, but yeah, all my family is kind of cool since I've been drafted. A lot of them have kind of come together and, um, being a, having a big family, you don't always be able to see everybody, but mm. a lot of them have come back together and they get together to watch my games or whatever. Um, I know it's, brought them close together so that's pretty special for me i know that we have a we have a writer who you have also brought back to the sport very much and that's one of our our writers daniel port who's not only a big indians fan but a huge fan of you as well and he he was dying for me to ask you that you've mentioned in the past that you throw uh, a non-traditional two-seamer designed to get a lot of spin um what motivated the design of that pitch i know you said that spin kind of comes easy to you um but what does that allow the pitch to do so in 2018, I think from the beginning of 2018 to the end of 2018, every single one of my grips changed besides the cutter. Um, I just was getting pretty inconsistent movement with my two seam. Sometimes it would take off and other times it would stay straight and occasionally it would cut. And that was primarily glove side. I just had a lot of trouble having consistent action going to glove side. So it was tough for me to go in there slash the catcher to know where where to catch the ball. Um, sometimes it would take off all the way across the plate and that run right into a barrel. But I made a, a grip adjustment, um, kind of just going, this all happened. I was just kind of struggling with where my pitches were. My cutter was blending with my slider and my slider was blending with my curveball, and just kind of throwing five pitches, but not knowing what each one was doing and just had to sit down with, pitching coordinator at the time now with on our staff Ruben Niebla mm. and we just went through all my pitches said where where are they at now where do we want them to be and from that time on we just kind of had a plan for each pitch and I think that next day I threw a bullpen and got my cutter back to where it needed to be and that's kind of been always been my reset pitch like when when that's there I know where I need to go for my other pitches but 
just uh i found a grip it's kind of a one seam spin with the the sinker uh going back to your question and i just i found the more i spin it and the better that it spins coming out of my hand just kind of use that spin and how the air and all that reacts with the ball and it ends up just pulling it more where it might be listed as a sinker but i try and sink it laterally versus getting depth on the ball um Mm. That kind of just depends on the access that it's coming out of the hand. But I think I found a grip that works for me as someone that spins the ball high um, to to get the movement that I want. Nice. So uh, it's really cool to hear you talk about your, your development, right? We don't really we don't have uh, the information of knowing what's behind the current, like how you take that step forward. And to hear that you sat down with someone and said, okay, cool, this is what you do and let's figure out what we want that to be that's a conversation that we dream for every single pitcher to have of course because we definitely i mean from outside here it does seem like there are other guys that just never have that conversation and never take that leap that we would want them to take so to so here's anyone going through that's always just yes it's exciting because i mean i say all the time all we want is for every pitcher to be dope Um, absolutely (laughs) So I uh, so talking more about that that full repertoire you're saying because it's essentially five pitches right four seamer sinker uh, cutter slider and curveball I I want and to, change up no, so change up with too, with yeah. a four seam it's six but right. I I just consider it two fastballs and then right, a cutter of so um, but I. Uh, yeah, you can kind of say 5.5 then, I guess. But right, typically, right. right, you say five pitch mix doesn't include both of those fastballs. Um, I, I'm a little bit curious about just your general approach because uh, from what we've seen so far, you had about like a 12, 13% swing strike rate in the minors, but in the majors has been a little more difficult. As we normally see is that there is normally a hit that happens to swing strike rates. And it has, from our point of view, been something that I actually, I reached out to, to Trevor Bauer years ago and asked if he was pitching to contact, to which he said, I actually hate that term. I'm not doing that. That's not at all what I'm doing. Um, I can imagine someone would see what you've done and think that that's your approach a bit. Is that what you're trying to do? Are you, or are you trying more so to just execute off the edges more and just happened to be that a lot of these pitches are over the plate that then have generated a lot of bouts for you? No, uh, I, I found just throughout the course of playing and seeing other people and pitches that are similar to mine, there are certain locations where stuff plays the best. So I try and focus my stuff in those areas um, without giving away too much about how I'm going to attack each hitter. Um, sure. Obviously, there's more for each hitter going from one to the next, strength and weaknesses, and there's all these reports that everyone gets and game plan and all that. But I, there's certain locations where I know my stuff plays well. There's certain locations where I know it doesn't play well. And for me, a lot of a lot of what I do on the mound from a pitch perspective has to be either a strike ball pitch or a ball strike pitch. And that for me is, that means I'm moving the ball. That means it's not just going in. I'm not just throwing a straight four seam. That's a strike strike pitch. Um, I'm rarely throwing ball ball pitches unless they're getting chases and areas where guys eyes light up and they just want to swing as hard as they can and hit it over the fence. Cause that's where the game is at right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm just trying to use what my pitches do and, figure out which areas produce the the best results for me, whether that's weak contact, uh, ground out, fly out, even if it's a fly out to the wall, like that's, that's an out at the end of the day. Right. Um, 
obviously it's ideal to get a strikeout in three pitches, but the reality of that is just is is not the case. Um, unless you're throwing 97 plus, you, you don't have as much leeway. Um, so I use my pitches and knowing, fi- finally figuring out what each pitch does and figuring out how to use each pitch has definitely been part of the process over the last year, which is still going to continue to be a work in progress, but finding spots where I know my pitches can work and trusting the action and especially the late action to get weak contact if they are, they are getting contact with it. Do you, um, I've heard like a lot of comparisons and, 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 there seem to be a lot of similarities um, in terms of shaping your pitches with Corey Kluber, uh, especially when it comes to that cutter and slider. Is there is there a pitcher you've modeled yourself after in terms of you know sequencing or movement or delivery or mechanics? Um, mechanically, no. There's been so just coming up, they always ask these questions like as a from a player development perspective, who do you like sequence or pitch mix wise? Who do you like mechanically and who do you whatever all those questions. The only person I've ever comparison wise, just from still shots that I've seen of myself and from him, obviously I'm a lot shorter, but I've seen some very similar, some similarities with me and Kenley Jansen. Oh, interesting. Uh, wow. There's I a lot of that. different positions. He's a lot bigger. He gets a lot deeper into his mechanics. His back arm gets a little bit lower to the ground, right. but there's a, there's a lot of still shots of my delivery and his that are, are similar. Um, and back then, that was a conversation with Matt Blake, who's now the Yankees pitching coach. Um, yeah. I brought up, I was like, the only one delivery-wise that I've ever really been able to compare myself to is Kenley. And he's like, yeah, I mean, I I knew that. Like, he just, he, he knew I was going there. Um, mm. As far as pitch mix goes, I have, I mean, I back in college, I thought I pitched similarly to Tanner Roark. Um mm. I have heard just being in the Indians organization, uh, the Kluber comparison. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, there's there hasn't really been anyone that I model myself after. I kind of just take what I have, and then if I see someone else that throws similar pitches, I, I'll use that in preparation to see how someone may have attacked certain hitters or how they utilize their pitches. Um, Why well, so, you haven't? Uh, yeah. oh, go ahead, Nick. Um, well, so, I mean, just piggybacking off of an earlier question, talking about the end of last season and, and your stuff, obviously, right, last game of the year, you threw your cutter over 40% of the time, kind of took a small step back with that curveball. I, I guess for, what I'm really curious well, about is, it, is that... About slider or a cutter? Uh, the cutter was the one that at least I saw, at least in my okay. view, it was the one that went up and the slider did fall down a little by the end. But I, but I, I guess I'm most curious inside of your repertoire is... Um, seeing more curveballs, at least in the last four games or so, there's really one that you all of a sudden threw for about 24% of the time, which we often see as a guy. I imagine it was a scenario where you felt your curveball a little bit more, just called for it in that game, and that's, that wasn't necessarily a decision beforehand, I'm going to throw my curveball more. But uh, with that pitch, we, it gets us excited because it has this near 50% O swing on it, about 48%, which is really high, um, and is the one that's closest to being that... Uh, that big whiff pitch, right? And that's something that, of course, any you know, analyst or whatever would get excited about. Do you feel personally, I mean, we've only seen about 100 thrown in the majors. Do you, do you feel that that is something that you're continuing to develop or is that just kind of the same pitch that it's always been for you? Um, yeah, I'm definitely trying to develop. I know 
the adjustment I made at the end of 2018 with the grip um, kind of took away those those pitches that just popped out of my hand and kind of allowed me to I had struggled to get that pitch um, at the bottom of the zone crossing the plate um, which is as a pitcher where you want to throw it coming out of the hand looking like a high to mid fastball and end up potentially bouncing in the dirt or just just behind home plate or somewhere around there but the the use of that I think it it depends on the lineup I'm facing I know a lot of the had 10 starts and I think only two or three of them were not repeat starts so obviously mixing up uh, pitch repertoire is something that I'm able to do throwing five six pitches hmm. um, it could just be what's working that day it could be if another pitch isn't working that day and I need to go to that pitch, it's, I mean, it's probably the only pitch that I've thrown. It's probably the pitch I've thrown for the longest amount of time. Um, cutter wasn't something I threw until probably sophomore year of college. So that was just four or five, six, six years ago. Um, the curveball I've been throwing for almost half my life. Right. Mm. Um, it's a different pitch, obviously, and it was, it was a little leak, but the comfortability with that pitch, um, and it's not a curveball that is going to be too deceptive. If it's if it's hung, it's probably going to get hit pretty far. It's 75 to 78, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, so just picking and choosing when I'm using that, and if you do increase the use of that, even though the pitch itself may be good, it, it may not be as effective. Um, so there's a way to determine the actual pitch grade and then use of it can affect how it's perceived. And there's, there's a lot more that goes into that. And if I'm throwing more curveballs, what am I taking away? And how is that going to affect the rest of, of my, my pitch mix and just making sure that at the end of the day, I'm still pitching as Aaron Savali and not what the pitch itself uh, dictates. Um, so that, that's, that's great. I, I mean, first of all, you're talking also about the Kenley Jansen stuff from before. I mean, at 88 miles per hour, that cutter, we're, we're so close from getting you as an all-star closer now. We just need about like four ticks for that cutter, and you got this. No problem. Yeah, he's plus five and velo and height and a lot of other things. But Hey, hey this quarantine's going to be a while, so you know what? You got some time. Also, um, his last name sucks. Your last name is so much better than that. Yeah, way better. I don't think it. Uh, <laughs> you don't even know how to pronounce. Nobody even knows how to pronounce my last name. At least I, it's pretty clear. I mean, I've been telling Faz it's a Savali for ages, and every single time he thinks it's different. <laughs> just so. wanted to get it right. That's all yeah, I that's wanted. Fine. Appreciate <laughs> but, that. Uh, but yeah, just a few more questions. Um, and uh, you know, we really do appreciate the time that you're taking with us here. Yeah, of course. Um, so, uh, so moving from the minors to the majors, obviously a huge thing. And I'm just so curious, what was it like meeting that Indians rotation? You came up in June for a start, and so then you had an opportunity to to meet Trevor Bauer along with Mike Clevenger and, and Shane Bieber yeah. as well. And what was it like meeting them? Did they give you any sort of piece of advice that is actually memorable to you that you really have latched onto as well? Um, I mean, I got drafted with Bieber, so coming up with him, mm. I obviously knew him uh, since 2016, came up together. Um Plucko, I have known throughout the years. Um, Blesak was up there. I got drafted with him as well. We we're all three of us. Blesak, Bieber, and I were 2016 draft class. Um, Clev, I had known here and there, just from whether it was a strength camp or just around the spring training facility. Bauer was really the only one I hadn't interacted with too much. Um, 
obviously know what he does in terms of pitch design and how he goes about his business. And first time I actually met him, it was, I, I was up there the day before my debut and he was pitching that day and he was just getting in the tubs, getting ready for his game. And he looked at me like I was just some stranger in the tubs. He's like, who the hell is this guy? He's <laughs> like, there's like, hi, I'm Trevor. I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> like I'm Aaron. It was nice to meet you, but um, I didn't really get a chance to talk with him too much. Uh, he started that Friday. I pitched Saturday. And then after the game Sunday, I went back down to Columbus. Um, that was just kind of the prearranged agreement between well, of what was going on. Um, but when I got back up, he was obviously in Cincinnati. So I didn't really get to interact with Trevor too much, but just that comfortability knowing pretty much all of them. And as far as Kluber goes, I'm not very close with him. And I know he was, he was doing all his rehab and he was on a deal at the time, but work out of the same place as him in the off season. So there's comfortability there with that. Um, a lot of the guys I had never played with before, but I had been around in string training and, uh, interacted with quite a few of them. So how did you, I mean, you kind of probably have a, a unique perspective of this because you were dealing with it last year. I mean, like I, I personally feel that, you know, the, the mental aspect of the game isn't something that we're, we particularly focus on enough, right. In my opinion, um, how, how were you dealing with that last year knowing that you were going to, you know, come up a little bit and then go back down? How do you deal with that anxiety or is that something that, you know, it doesn't even matter to you. It's like, I'll just pitch when I pitch and it is what it is. Um, so for that first start, um, there's kind of like a three, two or three day period in AAA where I was just kind of like on hold, essentially. Um, I didn't really know what was going on. There are a few things going on in Cleveland and they're deciding between me and another guy in AAA. Um, my star got pushed back one day and then got pushed back another day. So I was just kind of, kind of waiting, playing the waiting game. Um, when I finally found out, I knew from that time I was going to be only one start I ended up going up to fill in for Clev cause he had rolled his ankle in his previous start. So they just put him on the DL. Um, he, he only missed one start. They knew he was going to be back. He just wasn't ready to make that, that specific start. Um, so I knew going in, I had to make a good impression if I ever wanted to be back up there. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it's just whenever my name gets called, I'm going to be ready and I'm going to make sure that their decision is, is, hard as possible to keep me up there and as easy as possible to keep me up there and as hard as possible to, to uh, make sure that I'm there. So did you, did you, did that like stick in your mind during the start at all? Or are you, are you someone who's able to just kind of like move that all away when the actual start is going on? You know, if you like missed uh, a pitch, I mean, you had a great game that game, but if you missed a pitch, like d- is that something that's sticking with you? No, not at all. Anytime. Once I cross those lines and I'm on the mound, it's, it's just it's another game of catch. It's baseball. It's the same game I've been playing since four years old. Um, yeah, it, yeah, that's it, great. Obviously, yeah. the the lead up, like I I was more nervous. That the nerves are real uh, before you make your debut. I think in mm-hmm. those three days between finding out that I was gonna make my debut and actually making it, I lost eight pounds just because I wasn't Whoa! eating anything. And yeah, I was. The nerves are real. They're definitely, but that just that just shows you care, and I, I hope those nerves never go away. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember it so distinctly. Fast and I both watched that game where Clevenger rolled his ankle, and because uh, I mean he was just coming back and we were so excited. And of course, I think that was against the Rangers even. Um, and it's kind of funny because we were obviously really sad about it, but at the same time, you know, now in retrospect, like, oh wait, then we got Aaron Savali for his MLB debut because of that. Uh, so it's funny how those things work. Um, so we we asked this question. We have, we have two questions we ask a lot of people. Um, because sure. it's, it's something about just uh, you know the experience. It's not just about your time in the majors. It's just it's been this long career. And uh, the first one is: Has there been a single mound visit that has just been remarkable to you? Just that is one that I always go back to and, and think about. Uh, honestly, not not really. There's not too much in a mound visit that goes on. The only the only one that really sticks in my head in college, my catcher came out and just like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have to come out here too often, so I don't really know what to say. So just figure it out, so I don't have to come back out here. <laughs> oh, that's great. Made me laugh a little bit. It's just a sticky situation, and he came out and just like, "Hey, figure it out." It's like fifth year senior. I had played with him. Josh Treff was that was great. My junior oh, year, our, awesome. our pitching coach allowed us to call our own games, and oh wow, we uh, he he was a fifth year senior. He knew all of us. That was my third year thrown to him, and. Other, the other two guys was third and fourth year thrown to them as well. So we were able to call our own games, and he just came out at one point. And was like, "Hey, I, I just I don't know what to say, so I'll figure it out." Uh, <laughs> I mean, what that's kind of right. That's great though. Like we again, we, we right. talked about it with Blevins last week. At TV. This is a great story about Dan Moore than coming out and just being on TV. And you know, we we sit here and we just try and figure out what you guys are talking about. And sometimes yeah. that's all it is. You know, like the Bull Durham example. So. Uh, we love hearing this stuff. It's it's part yeah. again of the current that we don't get to be privy to. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's I a guess great story. the other mound visit that stuck with me it wasn't really a mound visit. It was uh, my start. Francona came out and took me out in the eighth inning. That was my longest start in the big leagues. Um, and I to that point, I had never really been pulled from a game for a positive reason. I'd always either come out in between innings or been pulled because of a situation that they needed to pull a reliever into the game so I didn't really know what to do uh, he came out with his hand out and in retrospect he was asking for the ball but I just decided to kind of dap him up uh, you can go look at the video it's pretty hilarious when Lindor just started dying laughing on the mound um, oh it's amazing that was funny um, that's something I'll definitely remember for a long time that's uh, awesome so great oh man <laughs> What about what about a sequence? Is there is there a um, a sequence a strikeout or something like? I feel like every time we talk to pitchers, there there seems to be like one pitch that they like. You guys have the craziest memory to me. I can't remember what I did this morning, and you guys remember a fastball <laughs> that you threw on August fifth against Texas to get a strikeout. Um, is there something that sticks out to you, or not really? Um, not really. There's a. There's been one, I mean, the only pitch, just from this question, the only thing that comes in my head, I know um, I fit, I faced Mark Trumbo rehabbing in Bowie, and I had to, I faced him again in Columbus. He was playing for Norfolk coming up, he was rehabbing again, and the he was the second batter of the game and got the first guy out, second pitch, or first pitch I threw to him, just like nice, easy to see him and just laser straight line drive over the center field wall and dang, he's pretty strong um <laughs> and there was a i think his next at bat i just 
I was in a count, I was like 2-2 or something. And I knew at that point in the game I needed to, for me, just to, I needed to throw a glove side fastball down and away. And I needed to locate it there in order to just move on from that spot. I knew I needed to just mentally be able to throw that pitch. And I think I threw it down there and executed it and froze him and it was strike three looking. Um, mm-hmm. But there's just, uh, there's times where I just, I feel I need to throw a pitch in order to maybe throw the next one or continue to pitch that game or just know if I can't do this, then I need to make an adjustment. If I can do this, okay, I'm in a good spot. Um, but I know after that game, he's also a Eric Cressy guy and he got a text. He said, Hey, I'm glad you hit your first home run or I'm glad you hit a home run today, but why'd you have to do it off of one of our, one of our own? He goes, oh, I didn't know he's a Cressy guy, but <laughs> just a, it's a funny story. Um, there's just some times in games where you get into a count or a situation where you know you have to execute a pitch in order to feel something. And that's just from that question, that's the only one that came to my mind. Oh, I love that. That's actually really cool to hear to know that like there are these almost like little boosts that you can get just from like oh man i executed that pitch you know like because you know i feel like when we approach pitching especially what we're doing we think about it in such a larger level so i love talking to pitchers to hear just about how you know how granular it can get right i just need to execute this one pitch and build from there and it's always what's the next pitch what's the next pitch what's the next pitch so it's 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 refreshing to hear it's really cool to hear that perspective yeah and a lot of the a lot of the data we're given is here's how your pitches play on an individual pitch. Not a lot of it is based off of sequencing or mm. how that game is going or how you pitch the guy earlier in the game or how you pitch against him last week. Cause you have two starts in a row against the same team or, or all of that. So a lot of that has to go, has to be taken into account. So that's why you may see more curveballs one day or more cutters one day or, or certain pitches changing from game to game. Um, there's also the up and down of the season. You might be 90-92 one game, 92-94 another game, and then back down to 89-92. So you kind of got to figure out what your stuff is that day and then go from there. You're not going to get any worse or any better than what you are that day. So you just have to figure out what that is and then go from there. That's a really good point about changing what you threw the previous time against. We see this a lot, especially early in the season, you see two series like it's you know against the Marlins and someone else and then the Marlins again. So you see a lot of the same pitchers against the same teams a second time, and that's a great point. You got to change what you're throwing sometimes. Maybe today I'll throw thirty percent curveballs instead of twenty percent. Just a little bit of a change to keep them on their heels. That's a yeah. that's really something we should be thinking about more often. Do you that, do you, for for me ahead. none none of that. I mean it can be um, preset like hey today like let's work this more in. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of it is just assessing the game and going from there. Um, Roberto does a great job of analyzing a game and being on the same page with me. I'd, first time I threw to him was this year in my debut. Um, and then from then on, I think I threw close to 50-50 between he and, he and Ploiecki. And just the ability for them to adjust to what I have. That I mean, calling a game for five, six pitches, and I'm telling them I'm good to throw whenever, whenever whatever, whenever, um, for them to have the ability to call the game that they do, um, just be on the same page is a testament to how invested they are in this game. Um, and that's always going to be the case for whatever catchers I'm working with. Um, but yeah, a lot of it just kind of reading the game and 
and assessing and going from there. Uh, yeah, uh, Aaron, seriously, man, uh, we, we can't thank you enough for, for taking time out of your day and, and talking with us. And, and we're really looking forward to, well, A, we hope there's a season. And when it happens, we're, we're really so looking too. forward to, to watching you pitch, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.